Welcome to Spirited Word. By God's Word proclaimed, the Holy Spirit works faith in God's grace in Jesus, when and where He pleases. Sermons by Pastor Adrian Kitson, Lutheran Church of Australia. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. We pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for life, our life here in this beautiful valley. Thank you for winter rain. Thank you for life itself. Thank you for this community and being here now. Speak to us, Lord. Your servants are all ears. In Jesus' name, amen. Jesus is more. That's what we concluded last week if you were here. Even if you weren't, we still concluded it. Jesus is more. Jesus is more. That's what we said last week. Jesus is more than five loaves and two fish from a young fellow who offered them so graciously. Jesus is more than anyone or anything. His supply of compassion and soul-satisfying words that do exactly what they say for the very deepest things of our life as people, they are more than we could ever ask for or even imagine. Jesus is more. We said that Jesus is more than any of our pain or our sorrows or our pride or our striving to be enough for ourselves and our families and our friends. Jesus is more than enough for our spouse and for keeping up with the Joneses, as if we have to. Jesus is more than anything in our FOMO culture, fear of missing out culture, anything more on Facebook fantasies, and the dreaded sense and fear of being left behind and missing out that it produces. If you remember, we were, if you were here that is, if you remember, we were with about 10,000 people probably out in the eastern side of the Sea of Galilee who were amazed at Jesus' ability to feed them all to overflowing until they were satisfied, it says, with such a measly supply of food. And really, finally, they thought they'd found their man. They began to think he could be the man. He could be the man we really need. He could be the one that's been promised for generations. And in their understanding, the Messiah, the miracle worker man, the genie in the bottle, they could wheel out at any time to fix all of their problems so they could continue to live their lives the way they chose. They had a deep desire in their heart, obviously, after they had eaten their fill in such a miraculous way, to tie Jesus up, put him in the back seat of the car and take him home and keep him in the cupboard to be wheeled out whenever needed. They wanted him to become king over them. Amazing. Well, anyway, Jesus is on to this. He got out of that place on the far side of the sea very quickly, disappeared on them, walked through the crowd, whatever he did, who knows, but he got out of there and away from this mist timed and misunderstood attitude 
Then he frightened the life out of his intrepid followers out there on that boat at night time, again, up and down in the sea, and here comes Jesus walking over the chaos of the sea. Better than Moses. Moses had to part it with God's help. Jesus just walked straight over it. Still scared the life out of his mates, though, nevertheless. Anyway, now we pick up the crowd again and the disciples and Jesus in the same continuous moment. So this massive crowd, how many, who knows, they, they are on the search still and they can't figure out what's happened to Jesus. Where is he? He was here yesterday. Where is he today? They knew that he came across the other side of the sea where they live on one boat with his friends. And they saw that same boat leave with the friends but without Jesus. So where is he? So now a lot of people get into a lot of boats. There must have been a lot of boats. And they press on west across the Sea of Galilee to Capernaum on the western side again, still searching for the one that gave them everything they needed. And they obviously find Jesus. He wouldn't be hard to find, I guess. And as John wants us and all the gospel writers, there's only one question they're interested in you coming to terms with personally, in the head and in the heart. Who is Jesus to you? That's the question the Gospels ask. They find him and they don't ask that question. They say, so when did you get here? In other words, how, how, how could you be here? We didn't... Anyway, they, don't, they move on from there. Jesus, as is often his way, doesn't answer questions directly, does he? Very frustrating at times, I'm sure, if you're around him. Just give us a straight answer, man. No, he uses the question to press and to prod and to get under the motivation of the human heart and to clarify the issue, the real issue. So he doesn't answer the question, when did you get here? doesn't say a word about it. He tells them that they've missed the boat on who he really is. They are completely off the mark in their understanding, and I'm not working anymore, Sandy, on who he really is. Uh, he says that they're chasing him and wanting to, him to be in charge of their lives because they think it will be easy and they'll get it easy. That's what he says. He says, you're not looking for me because you saw me, you saw the signs I did, but because you got what you wanted. You had your needs met. So the people are wanting what the Saviour can give but not the saviour. They can't see him. They can only see what he can give them to fix their problems and make their life better. Fill their needs. And that's the question again this morning for you and me as disciples of Jesus Christ. Do you want what the saviour can give or do you want the saviour? Truth be told, I often want what the saviour can give and not the saviour. I want safety and security and comfort and help, a good life, money in the bank, a holiday now and again, great kids, great wife, happy life. I want my football team winning all the time. I want a new car once a while. I want a new motorbike now and again. I want an uninterrupted life of consuming goods and services. I even want to be able to do a bit of good community work and have a job that does some good for some people somewhere. 
But do I actually want Jesus? Personally, his call on my life, me being accountable to him and his word, him shaping my conscience, my understanding, do I want to be his man or not? Because Jesus might not fill all my needs the way I want him to. He might not keep me as far away from danger and harm as I would personally like to be. He might not answer my many questions. In fact, he might answer them with more questions. And he might draw me deeper and deeper into my real motivations and unsettle me from time to time to point out the real issues between me and him and our relationship. My chasing after the wind and self-glory at the expense of his glory. Jesus might call me to stop trying to be everything for myself and everyone and let him be something. He might be calling you to stop trying to be more And let his word be enough. Jesus might tell me today to stop striving for food that spoils, as he says, and turn my head and my heart in a different direction as east is from the west. He might call me to face the other side of the sea where the hard things of my relationships and my life are, the things that don't look good on Facebook, And don't make hardly any sense to those who don't know me very well. He calls this crazy crowd to work for food that doesn't go off. What is that? Food that doesn't spoil. What is he talking about? He tells us life, work, striving, meeting goals, deadlines, achievement. He changes all of that in a word. They ask, what can we do to get more good stuff from you? He says, you can't. Work? No, no. Believe. Believe, he says. Believe in the one the Father has sent. So the food that doesn't go off, like a container of milk in the sun, the food that doesn't do that, that satisfies the human soul beyond all satisfaction, what is it? Belief. Faith, we call it. Maybe we'd say trust. There's no work. There's only trust. Reliance on his word for my everyday choices, my interaction with people, my health, my learning, my growing, my seeing in this journey of life. So what's at the heart of life for the Christian person? What's Jesus really driving as he doesn't answer the question but gives more questions? What does he want us to see? Philip Yancey, you know, great writer. I'm sure some of you have read some of his great work. Uh, What's so amazing about grace? Now that's a book. That is a good book. Disappointment with God for all your friends who are cheesed off with the church. Good book. Philip Yancey in his recent book called Vanishing Grace, he searches Google he says, with the question, what's the meaning of life? What's the heart of life? And he comes up with 640 million hits in half a second. Obviously a big question. And here's what Monty Python says. Try to be nice to people, avoid eating fat, read a good book now and again, get some walking in, and try to live together in peace and harmony. Oh, sounds pretty good to me. 
But more seriously, other people who are much more serious, seek wisdom. Uh, Do good. Don't do harm. Be happy. We've heard that one before. And yes, even love God and others. Maybe that's closer. So, the heart of life. Is it easy street as the crowd really wanted it to be? Sipping a pina colada on some amazing Bali beach? Is that the heart of life? Of course, we know. No, it's not. He's the heart of life. That's the point. Isn't that what he's saying? The bread of life. Life itself. Nothing wrong with sipping a pina colada, by the way, by the beach. Very nice thing to do. But nothing compared to the love and the power and the newness of the man and the future that he freely gives undeserving, dead, lost, worried, fearful people. He sustains life. He is more. That's enough. Well, the crowd don't really get it. They still don't quite get it. They just want more, more. And truth be told, I don't get it either, often. I don't. And I reckon you don't either. I still try and fill my own needs with endless consuming of goods and services and activities and etc, etc. And I have all the good intentions of the world to try and fill your needs too, as if I could. Jesus tells the people that there is divine life on offer here, divine bread that fills the human heart to the full in a way that nothing else you can buy could ever do. But they just can't see it. They still keep saying, give us more stuff. I guess they're hearing that their winning lotto numbers have come up and there'll be 10 million in the bank by midnight. Oh, now we've made it. Now life will be great. Now we can be safe and secure so we can get on with doing whatever we want. And isn't that the heart of gambling, I was thinking? That's the problem with gambling, trying to shortcut real life and work uh, and in the act bypass the good life in the everyday. Isn't that the heart of the problem of gambling? I think it is. Anyway, Jesus tells them that he's the bread they need. He's the stuff. He's more than the stuff. He's everything. He's the stuff you can't achieve, that you can't earn, that you can't make happen for yourself and you certainly can't pay him off and buy him with a million good works. Doesn't work, folks. Doesn't work. Here's what he says. Here's what I hear him saying. Jesus is more. He is contentment with my life partner and my family. He is an ever-present readiness to ask for and receive forgiveness and to have a new start and give a new start to people around you every day. He is the vision for my life. He has my whole life and my plans, well, his plans, on the move. He is my life and my vision and my hope for today and later on as well. He's the power to live, win or lose. He is the word that shapes my head and defines my work and my character and my understanding. He is wisdom, knowing what to do and when to do it. He is in you, working on me, chipping away at my interesting foibles and vice versa for the people around you. His spirit is in you at work in his community, shaping us into that beautiful second reading that Dagmar read. He is more than daily manna provided in the desert by God long ago through Moses. 
He is God in the desert, providing now, every day. And it's all summed up in that famous, wonderful line that we've heard. It's the first I am statement in the Gospel of John. I am the bread of life for you. So what are you doing? And where are you heading? And what are you striving hard for? And the question that's very unsettling, is it worth it? Really? Are those things really that good? As good as you believe them to be or as good as the people around you say they are? Are those things as really as good as you think? And an even deeper question, do you want Jesus? Or just what he can give you? Do you want him? Do you want his word in your heart, directing the affairs of your life because you know who he is and he hasn't got a a harmful hair on his head for you, only the good, only the best, even though difficult. So would you hear this man, whoever you may be this morning and whatever's been going on for you, he's the son of God, a human divine man, now present. And can you hear him today assure you that he is life and that his word is the bread for your life at this particular time, and he is more, much, much more. So if you can hear that, and I pray that you can, here's the consequence. You might stop the chase. You might call off the pursuit. You might confess your need for what money and people can't give And you might just have the moment to simply receive him and all that he is so that he fills your heart to overflowing today. In the name of Christ, amen. Thanks for listening. Pastor Adrian serves at St. Petri Lutheran Church, Nuriukpa, Barossa Valley, South Australia. stpetri.org.au